Google and Facebook are becoming more and more black boxes. The ability to, you know, target uh, people in a very accurate way, uh, like in the past, does not exist anymore. That moves the uh, needle into the first party data. So third party data is pretty much dying. It's still there, but it is dying. And the way to distinguish yourself is to leverage your own first party data in order to make smarter acquisition and smarter retention. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J-Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J-Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. I'm uh, very excited to have you here uh, talking about ad scale, uh, but overall your entrepreneurial journey, serial entrepreneur, your previous company sold to Checkpoint, uh, and now you're in the e-commerce uh, advertising space. And so a, a lot to unpack here. Tell me a little bit about you know, your journey leading up to ad space, starting with your previous startup. How are you entering the ad space um, you know, journey? It's an interesting story. It was about, uh, what was it, 2004, 2005, with my previous company, with Dynasec. We had some few first customers, and uh, somehow we managed to have something like $200,000 in saving. We felt like it's a lot of money. And we said, now that's the time to conclude the U.S. market, uh, <laughs> which is obviously... Uh, not realistic, but at that time we thought it is. So we hired a quite expensive salesperson. Uh, and we paid him everything he asked for, and and basically uh, he bought us nothing. So we were with no money at that time to invest in you know penetrating the U.S. market. Uh, and then we said, okay, there's something called Google. There is you know AdWords, uh, search ads. Let's just try that. Uh, it was out of, uh, you know, uh, we were out of options. It was a cheap option. So we started, you know, playing with that, advertising ourselves. And gradually we became better and better and better. And uh, at a certain point we got, you know, banks joining our system, uh, Rabobank from, from Netherlands, from the internet, like things that we never expected. Uh, and then even finally even checkoffs. Even Checkpoint found us uh, over the internet when they looked for a technology that we had at that time. So my experience at Dynasect led me to to you know to start with AdScale because we acquired so much knowledge and so much you know understanding of how uh, uh, advertising works that we thought that we can use it in order to help other people to advertise uh, smartly. Uh, we started with with the non-e-commerce world. And then we thought that the e-commerce is the most interesting niche in that space. And we decided to focus in e-commerce uh, advertising. Okay, so so tell me a little bit about the product and how, how it actually works and the, and the impact it makes on organizations. So what is the, the product and the flow of it? 
Definitely. So um, in general, we help e-commerce merchants to to grow their business with data-driven advertising, with automation, and with AI, real AI. Now, I need to understand that uh, uh, e-commerce advertising is, is challenging. Um, the privacy uh, protection regulations like the GDPR, the CCCP, and others created a new world, which is called a post-cookie world, in which the ability to track user behavior is uh, is not like in the past, no? Um, and the fact that you cannot use the cookie, which was the main you know, vehicle to track user de- behavior ever since the internet was invented, is a huge change and requires uh, us to do uh, different things. And in parallel, we have the post-COVID world that has jumped the competition in the e-commerce uh, world and has jumped the customer acquisition costs dramatically by tens of percent, sometimes even more, which brought many merchants to, to the brink of profitability. So um, what we do, uh, we connect, Adscale connects to their store and we help them to very easily create and manage ads across all the major platforms, Google, Facebook, Instagram, even SMS and email, by leveraging the store data into hyper-targeted campaigns. We, in the middle, we provide them with, with, with the customers with everything they need to, to boost ad performance. This includes um, automated uh, ads creation, using a simple wizard, automated optimization on top of Google and Facebook 24-7, automated segmentation of customers in order to to make advertising accurate, and even automated video creations directly out of their stores, and even automated ad copy by licensing in ChatGPT. So everything is pretty much automated. You don't have to be a guru in order to advertise like a pro. You can use AdScale, and we will uh, help you to get the best results uh, you can get. Fantastic! And so, one-stop shop for the for the advertising needs. And so, how you know the space is complicated, right? I know that there's a lot of organizations in the space. So, as a as an advertising company, how do how do you differentiate, or as an entrepreneur, how do you differentiate this company above the noise uh, the, you know, the, in the ad tech space? So first of all, uh, the fact that we chose the e-commerce niche already differentiates us because there are no too many you know, players in the e-commerce niche. Our number one competitor is either Google and Facebook themselves or the you know, media agencies. But, uh, but still, we definitely have uh, product differentiations, uh, differentiators. I think that the fact that we use first-party data is the main differentiator. The fact that the market has changed created an opportunity. Uh, Google and Facebook are becoming more and more black boxes. The ability to you know, target uh, people in a very accurate way, uh, like in the past, does not exist anymore. And uh, that moves the uh, needle into the first-party data. So third-party data is pretty much dying. It's still there, but it is dying. And the way to distinguish yourself, the way to do things better and differently 
is to leverage your own first-party data in order to make smarter acquisition and smarter retention. And we are the only software today that provides you in, in one package BI data, like the data, the acquisition, and the retention in one place, all with AI. And uh, nobody does that. You can like buy three, four, five systems and, you know, and, and use them and hand over data from system to system with Excel so, or whatever. But uh, I think that we are the only ones that are using first-party data and uh, all the other uh, channels in one place. Uh, all connected, uh, I think that's that's what makes us unique. Wonderful. Okay, and so tell me a little bit about this as a journey as an, un, from an entrepreneurial perspective. What things did you come into this journey with that perhaps, um, you know, changed or evolved as a result of your previous experiences? Yeah, I thought about it uh, previously, and um, I think that my passion is in, in complexity. Like, I like turning complicated things, maybe even abstract things, into a simple model, into something that we can manage, something we can control, even something we can optimize. Now, complexity, you know, makes life interesting. Nobody wants to live in a flat world. But uh, we must uh, learn the hidden uh, correlations between the different components in order to control it. The challenge of, you know, connecting all the dots together is something that makes uh, my work uh, very interesting. And and it's common to, to Dynasec, where, you know, my previous company, where we took, you know, the risk world and we help organizations to assess the risk and to mitigate the risk and to calculate the, you know, residual risk, et cetera, et cetera. And to what we do today, that we take a very abstract world with a lot of data and a lot of channels and a lot of... Uh, things and noise in the middle, and we try to simplify that and to come to the customer with a very simple system, very simple wizard of next, 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 that helps you to build wonderful and very profitable ad campaigns, even if you are not a guru or even if you never tried advertising before. So my challenge is in taking the, my passion is in taking the complexity and turning it into something simple. And when we, you know, help people to solve complex challenges with a simple solution, it makes me feel uh, feel good. And where, so where are we heading from an e-commerce in the e-commerce space from an advertising perspective? What's what are what are you expecting over the next, I don't know, uh, three to five years? I think personalization will be a big issue. Um, the COVID time created a situation that all the big brands are heavily invested in e-commerce. Uh, before the COVID, uh, I used to go to, you know, big chains of, uh, of, of stores. And uh, in many cases, I heard something like, well, e-commerce in terms of business is just another branch. Uh, so there was an e-commerce. It's not something new, but... Uh, not all of them consider this e-commerce as something very, very critical uh, to the business. Corona changed the world, you know, upside down. Uh, and now everybody is doing e-commerce in a very professional way, which means that the competition is high and you need to distinguish yourself. 
When it comes to advertising, the best way to distinguish yourself is to go to the basic, to see who are your customers, to learn their behavior, to understand what they buy, when they buy, what are the other products that they might buy if they only would know about it, but, uh, but they never go to your website, never heard about it. Uh, so you're missing an opportunity. So the personalization is, I think, the main uh, driver of, uh, of the growth for many organizations. And personalization comes from the data that you have, from your customer data, from your product data, from your order data, from the ability to understand which customer, uh, uh, what is the potential of each and every customer, but what is the stage of each customer. Is it a new traffic that never visited your website? Is it a remarketing customer that, you know, visited your website but never made any purchase? Is it a, uh, an existing customer? And the second question is, where do you buy them? You need to, you need to play smarter. It, it doesn't make any sense to buy uh, existing customers, repeat customers in Google and Facebook. It's just too expensive. You already know who are the people, you have the name, you have the address, you have the email, you have the phone. You can use other methods like SMS, like email, to bring them back in a much cheaper way. And by that, you can create a customer acquisition course that makes sense. Google and Facebook are still, and for the forecast, uh, for, for, for what I can forecast will still be for the next years, the best way to acquire new customers. But when it comes to acquire existing customers, I don't think it, it, it makes sense to buy them over there. There are cheapest ways to do it. And if you can do it all together, personalize your marketing and advertising based on data, um, then, then I think that's the way forward. I mean, just to give you the, to give you the situation in numbers, uh, if in the past we used to tell customers, listen, you need at least five, six, seven, maybe 10 segments to you know, have a professional advertising and marketing, Today we talk, we talk about 30 or 40, even 50 or 60 micro segments in order to make the advertising more accurate, more personalized. I think that's the way forward. Very, very interesting. And so, you know, is there sort of a, a unanimous agreement amongst, you know, thought leaders in the, in the ad tech and, and e-commerce space around, around what you're saying? Or is there, are there different points of view or some controversy around it? Everybody speaks from position, you know, how is it in life? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> uh, so, so definitely there are, there are more views. Um, I think that what we are seeing is that the world of drop shipping is declining. Like in the past, you know, I mean, if we look at e-commerce, the beginning e-commerce were techies that had great, you know, excellent technical skills and uh, started selling over the internet. And that was basically e-commerce. Uh, and today, when we look at e-commerce, then we have the brands and we have the dropshippers and the brands are going, you know, much faster. Um, some people think that the, the, the future is in, in uh, marketplaces. Um, I cannot argue about it. You know, marketplaces are with us for 20 years and I don't think it's going to be changed dramatically. But I do think that uh, brands will uh, strengthen their e-commerce presence because it makes the financials look much better. If you can use e-commerce next to your, you know, brick and mortar uh, business and do what 
we call omnichannel and use data from the brick and mortar to the e-commerce and from the e-commerce to the brick and mortar. This combination, I think, makes uh, businesses much stronger. And I think that's the path forward. But um, I respect any other idea or any other thought or opinion. <laughs> no, no, you're it's, um, I, I think it's such an interesting, uh, it's such an interesting space that you're in, and I think that the end, a lot of it is coming down also to human com- to to human psychology and human computer interaction, which are fields that I'm personally very um, very interested in. If I, I think one of the one of the big parts that that I love about this show is also dissecting a little bit as to you know why do people do what they do, and what is. Um, you know what 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 really is drive what really drives people especially entrepreneurs because it's kind of a crazy journey to go on so i'd love to hear a little bit from you why why is it that you do what you do you know what drives you mati i'm a alcoholic and i like to create things and and i'm an entrepreneur in in my soul so i always prefer to take the you know the the hard way uh and not the easy way that's ever since i was a child Um, so besides the, you know, the, the economic and financial things that drives every entrepreneur or man, most of them, I believe in certainly me, um, I like to bring something new to the table. And when you're an entrepreneur, you mainly meet yourself. You mainly meet your limitations. You mainly meet the points where you can develop and you mainly learn how to, uh, take yourself out of the comfort zone. So many times that you almost feel comfort to take yourself out of the comfort zone. And I, I just I just love uh, being uh, you know in an unstructured environment, uh, places that are too structured are just simply not for me. I like to start with something abstract and build something out of that. that's that's my passion, that's my life and that's what uh, drives me. And so if you're looking at it from a, from a, you know, interpersonal perspective on a leadership side, what, what is your, what is, what is your own leadership take on, on the people that you work with and on how you manage them on, on, on building a culture? Yeah. People is, is an interesting story because, um, um, when the time goes by, you, you learn more and more who are the people that you need next to you. And it's, it's so different than what I thought in the past. I think that uh, I like working with, with people that, first of all, can help me take my, you know, complicated ambitions and my abstract ideas and, and to turn them into practical steps that we, we can implement. Now, it means that I'm looking for uh, people in, in a combination of a, of a can-do attitude on one hand, for sure, But people that have you know one foot in the reality and and um and one foot in the dreams, and I think that the balance between the two is is critical so uh I'm looking for people that are much better than me in their domain expertise, but also with the ability to to dream, not just to say, "Okay, that's what we know, that's what we learn, that's what we'll do for the rest of our life." Uh, I like people that like to take the challenges on one end, but still to be realistic and practical and to balance me because I'm a dreamer. So I need people to balance me and to translate the wishes into practical things that can be done tomorrow. We can start doing them tomorrow. Uh, these are the people that uh, I like and that's, that's my leadership style. I, uh, I listen to, to everyone. Um, 
I, I try as much as I can. It's always I'm successful with that, to be honest, but I try as much as I can not to come prejudice, to, to no, let all the opinions uh, come in and, 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 and to think about it and let it float. But uh, in the end of the day, once we get a decision, I really like everybody to be committed to the decision and not to, you know, criticize the decision. We think together, but once we make a decision, we are all committed. So I have the balance between the two, between the dreams and between the practical things that needs to be done. After all, we have to be a profitable company and, and, and you need to find that balance and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm sure. No, and uh, Matthew, I want to wish you best of luck on, on your personal journey thank and that you. of AdScale and any other company that you, that you create. And I have a feeling it's not the last one. So thank you again for the time and the energy. And I really look forward to seeing uh, this develop from the side. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. Thank you.